0: Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. Uh, today I'm talking to Stephen Fulwood. Stephen, it's been a couple of weeks. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I um, had, a, had a cold, had some pollen issues, and so now I'm back on track.
0: Yeah, and you were traveling around a bit, yeah? You were giving some talks? Yeah, I was
1: traveling. I was in Tacoma and Seattle and Durham, and primarily at the University of Puget Sound, giving some talks about archives, but also promoting uh, my latest project, which is um, Black A Genius answering Joseph Bean's call. Joseph Bean was the editor of the first Black gay anthology called In the Life. He like died two years after he um, p- published the book, so he never got a chance to publish his second book. And so he kind of fell out of you know public consciousness, at least mm-hmm. in the Black gay community for the most part. But, mm-hmm. So the book is a love letter to Joseph Bean as well as to people who um, were inspired by him. and so.
0: Yeah, uh, is, there, um, is there a direct lineage from, like who are some um, maybe more well-known figures that Beam influenced?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the people he worked with, like Essex Hemphill, is a, a really well-known poet. Mm-hmm. Um, Cheryl Clark knew him. She's a wonderful poet, academic, recently retired from Rutgers University. Uh, Jewel Gomez. There were a number of people he worked with in the National Coalition of Black Gays and Lesbians which was a group that first black LGBT um, organization that started in 1979. So mm-hmm. there were a number of people who worked with him, like Barbara Smith, Audre Lorde, people he really looked up to who inspired him to do this work. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's it's good being able to do love letter books, you know, works that bring people back into public conversation, as well as, you know, get them in the classroom. So yeah. the robust the, um, the response to it has been really good. Even yeah. though the book was published in 2014, um, right now, I'm, I have some time to kind of take it around the country when I can to introduce it to a, a group of people, different groups of people.
0: Yeah, and I, we were talking about earlier, and you said so. The response to it has been actually people seem engaged and hungry for for well, some absolutely. a little bit more yeah. of the lineage and the genealogy behind sort of the the, yes. the movements that have come to fruition in the last
1: ten years. No, absolutely, that genealogy is really important when it comes to keeping people alive. And so his mother was really. Fantastic. So, she said that after a year, a year or so after he died, when she stopped crying and eating, mm-hmm. she decided she wanted to do something. So she ended up moving Essex Emfield, this poet, into her house to finish help fit her finish the book that Joe started. And after the book was out, Brother to Brother, um, New Black Gay Writing or uh, writings by New New writings by Black Gay Men, she donated his papers to the Schomburg Center. So his uh... legacy is set there, you know, because it's mm-hmm. that's where it, his legacy is. But Knowing more about him, more 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 and more people are starting to write more about him because he was he was a bit of a, um, an enigma for the most part. He didn't publish he published a lot as a journalist, but not as a um, not as a in, not during the time when he was um, promoting mm-hmm. In the life, which is 1986. And so, mm-hmm. fortunately, I mean, there all his writings, virtually all his writings are there. There are diaries, photographs. Um, and work that he did on the life, the working papers. And so it was quite beautiful mm. that his mom would do that. And so and she's a part of that story too, you know, making sure her son's legacy was um, taken care of.
0: Yeah, it's one of the I mean we're it's it's pretty far afield on the topic, but I, I would imagine, yeah, you know, I've not not really done much archival work, but I would imagine that sort of there's a kind of intimacy involved in, in being that close to someone's work mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. In, it, in, its, in its unrefined form, right? Awesome. So, to, so to, to come into contact with that um, must, uh, must give you a kind of um, familiarity with, uh, with the person um, mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, just kind of the, the, the antiseptic version of the book or the Wikipedia article or something like that mm-hmm, doesn't quite mm-hmm. give you.
1: You know, you're completely right. So working at the Schomburg Center for around 19 years or so, you would watch people actually sometimes cry mm. because they mm. would be reading letters that they either mm. wrote to a person, now it's in the archive, and you know, mm. they're doing that memory thing. So mm-hmm. in, a, in a way, um, I remember thinking to myself as an undertaker in a way mm. of papers and so forth, mm. but also very um, interested in making sure that certain kinds of stories are told as you know recommending collections Um, a lot of folks come in knowing what they're looking for but they may not know about this particular person or this organization or this subject collection so Mm. it can be very intimate reading letters that weren't intended for you (laughs) Mm, sure yeah yeah you know and I love it that the Schoenberg a lot a lot of archives is in a public institution so anyone can come in so there's not just a oh you have to be an academic or someone of name or note to mm-hmm. access this material. I think archives really make the community more responsible. I mean makes the it makes our communities more diverse and more thoughtful and engaging mm-hmm. when we have different kinds of collections housed and archived. So uh
0: yeah, I mean and I mean and speaks to legitimacy, right? I mean the things that you're saving are the things that matter. So It speaks
1: to it, which is very tricky, (laughs) very tricky, because I'm sure, you know, we can't ever, every library and archive could never collect everything. Not
0: even, I mean, not, not even not everything, like not even a thimble full of everything, like just not, not even, just not even in the ballpark. Absolutely. So what
1: do you do about that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What do you do about that?
0: Um, so okay, so today's uh, topic is <laughs> UFOs, <laughs> so <laughs> very
1: different, so yes, uh, definitely
0: uh, a little bit more far afield. But I don't know, I just uh, I wanted to know a little bit more about your work and, and, and thought other people would be interested too, so <laughs>
1: Thank
0: um. You. So I proposed the topic actually uh, based on a chance conversation that Stephen and I had uh, uh, around an article that I had recently read about a department uh, uh, in the U.S. Air Force or Pentagon that uh, houses Mm -hmm. information on UFOs and Mm -hmm. the number of like straight up legitimate uh, claims there are Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. verified, documented, sober, military, like not. Ten foil hat stuff um mm-hmm. and i mentioned this just in, in passing to steven and it turned out steven had a, a pretty abiding interest in in ufos so uh, oh, wait, I, I, I thought why not let's let, do something a little bit lighter so <laughs> um so steven why don't you take us into to <laughs> unidentified flying objects
1: well let's hope it's a little lighter it's 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 fun for me and and I think I remember sending you some questions this morning that I'll kind of get to. But I think the reason why I wanted to do um, a podcast on it is because I've been, I'm often on, I've, all my life I've been interested, fascinated really, uh, uh, about UFOs, unidentified flying objects. And and so as the years have gone on and now that we have the internet, thank goodness we have the internet, we have so much more access to resources and people, you know, people's first firsthand accounts of seeing a UFO, and it's really a rabbit hole mm. because kind of what you said earlier about um, you know, the legitimate claims versus the tinfoil hat people. Well, the tinfoil hat people have a lot of material <laughs> on the internet, mm. YouTube alone, and so I'm big on Listening to, watching, and discussing conspiracy theories, but I'm mm-hmm. not a conspiracy theorist. Sure. I, I don't have that energy or the interest. I'm just more like, I like the idea of thinking differently um, about things. And sometimes I think because it's such a, um, the UFOs are such a such an outrageous idea for a lot of folks, to thinking, no, we're the only people that ever existed <laughs> on Earth in this small part of the galaxy amongst Thousands and millions of other galaxies—it seems ridiculous to me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the reason why I propose propose is because I was wondering what you thought about these things. My recent theory—I want to like propose so um, for the listeners—and to see, like I said, I'm struck by UFOs such a such a diverse diverse uh, groups. It's such a di- it's a such a diverse. Um, set of people approaching it from a scientific, mm-hmm. you know, some folks are philosophically, some folks are straight up conspiracy, you know, i.e. lizard men, mm-hmm. uh, reptile men, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the,
0: um, <laughs> Thank you for the that couple... correction. I was, I was really, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, the
1: lizard, uh, reptile men. <laughs> It's a very
0: offensive term to the, the reptile people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the different kinds of aliens that have already visited this earth, um, this earth has visited earth and whatnot and so what so i want to start with a story very briefly and then just kind of um kind of ask you a few questions and so for me you the when i was a child i remember having a dream Mm -hmm. um and the dream in the dream i'm the only person in the dream i'm walking in my um i'm in my parents home Mm -hmm. it's it's early morning a lot of my dreams happen early in the morning Mm -hmm. i remember walking downstairs there's nobody up and I'm i'm from a family of seven everyone's asleep we're not there and I look outside the window and our house is situated directly in the middle of the block under a street light. And so this very tiny um, spaceship you know, lands mm-hmm. right under the, uh, the uh, street light. And I remember looking at it and I was, the, their lights came on, two people got out, two things got out of it. Mm-hmm. And our, suddenly I was holding a baby. And instead of, like, running upstairs or running further into the house, I run outside the house. Mm. And as I'm running, they shoot me with a gun, some sort of ray gun, and I freeze. Mm. And I woke up. Mm. And that was... So I had to be about 17 or 18, I think. And I remember the, the, the feeling I had let me, I, it wasn't like I was scared. I, I had to protect the baby. That's what all I, I remember is hmm. so that I had to protect, protect You probably the should
0: not have run at the UFO if you were trying to protect the baby.
1: That's what I was thinking, right? I shouldn't like, <laughs> 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 these people can, you know, do lots of answer things. What am I doing? You're not so,
0: babysitting for me anytime soon. Thank
1: you, well, <laughs> Oh, great. And I, had a, I have a child, too, by the way. So, um, so over the years, I've just developed an interest in what people think about... UFOs, what I think, what I think about them, um, the TV shows of the TV shows and movies, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the Fourth Kind, there are a number of films that deal with aliens, and I was struck by this idea that aliens are either evil or they're ET, right? And we got to help mm-hmm. them get home,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that there was nothing in between, and now I'm starting to see there's more in between that's available online, mm-hmm. and it's theoretically. Um, scientists are saying, you know, I think James it was James Gates, who's a theoretical physicist, was talking about that he's found computer code in the universe, <clears throat> and it's not um, in the, some of the equations in the universe, and that it's not a it's a very specific kind of code, which is a self-correcting code. And so you ask me, what does it have to do with UFOs? I think what I'm learning and thinking is that the idea of something unknown or UFO or alien all of that is really a state of consciousness. Mm. And this is where I find much of, much many of the sort of um, books and um, talking heads. I find that fascinating because I feel like we, we might be living in multiple states of consciousness, Mm -hmm. but that we only really focus on one.
0: So So, that's that's my theory. Okay. (laughs) So no, no. So I'm uh, so, the James Gates thing. It, it, one, I would say, like what peer review journal was that published in? But uh, you know, that's oh. the. <laughs> that's oh, the, definitely yes. It's. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's just. Uh, this is my 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 rational brain kicking in, which you and I have talked Absolutely. about. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first when I was uh, when I was younger, I had a, a pretty serious interest in UFOs and conspiracy mm-hmm. theories and whatnot and read all kinds of uh, mm-hmm. books around them. Read this uh, really, really crazy one called On a Pale Horse, which is obviously a reference I've to the bio. That. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. uh, found it in a Borders bookstore. And uh, of course, I was like 14 or 15 and read this and it like blew my mind. <laughs> of course it's all nonsense but um and so i as a young man was uh, pretty uh seriously steeped in those stories mm-hmm. you know and then i grew up and i uh, i but i can actually remember a specific turning point in how i thought about them i read a and the this is again kind of another lifetime before i was more serious about academic study i read a book mm-hmm. called uh, "Our a uh, book by michael murphy Okay. um who is a pretty well-known um uh sort of eastern western uh philosophical syncretist. So mm-hmm. I don't want to I, I the the first descriptor I reached for was new age, but I I think he would reject that uh label and I don't think it's probably fair to to call mm-hmm. him new age, but he's very much um he wrote a book about the body and the name of it is escaping me right now. But uh, when we put the, looking as we speak. <laughs> when, when, when the podcast goes up, I'll make sure to, to put it in the footnotes. But okay. um, so and he proposes all of these uh, sort of uh, he first of all, he catalogs and then proposes um, kind of a, an overarching theory for a variety of physical uh Exceptions. so okay. what 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 do you call spiritual athletes? So people that mm-hmm. can do things that are uh, seem not even really human. So um the the marathon monks of Mount haiho in in Japan, mm-hmm. who are like these people that like will circumnavigate the globe in their trekking. Over Uh over a three year period of time and like not eat and drink water. And I mean, some of them die. Uh Uh, Like the 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 rigors are such that I always found it a very evocative line, but that that the the, the rigors are such that you could hear the uh, you could hear the sound of ash falling in a painting of fire. So, wow, like, I mean, just uh, so, and and wow. in, in that that kind of um commitment to extremity and transcendence mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that book, and it's a long intro to get to this in that book, he talks about um UFOs and what he mm-hmm. the connection that he draws, and he may have been drawing on uh, other uh, thinkers, I'm not sure, is that there have always been throughout histories. Uh, throughout history, rather, although histories is probably not inappropriate, um, there have always been, throughout history, groups of people, individuals who have seen um, unusual phenomena. And in the past, those would have been called like angels or demons or right. these these otherworldly visions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that the 20th and 21st century analog of that in a secular frame are UFO UFO sightings. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. sort of at the very extremity of a secular worldview, like kind of where the unknown and the known border one another, where kind of chaos is playing Uh with order. And these figures, these ideas, um, these explanations um mm-hmm. emerge from that realm just as they would have emerged from a Christian worldview and as they would have emerged from a Buddhist worldview mm-hmm. um uh, so I when you start jumping into explanations of like you know types of consciousness and stuff like that it rings true with a, a particular point of view on on uFOs mm-hmm. um I don't know I mean I actually appreciate you taking the conversation in that direction because you know, very. I am deeply skeptical of mm-hmm. the the kind of knock on wood reality uh-huh. of of UFOs. Though I have read things that um, that test that skepticism, um, mm-hmm. because because I, I do try to be open minded about it. The idea okay. the the idea that that there are more things in heaven and earth, as Hamlet said, um, <laughs> and that our Points of view, our consciousness, our awareness, um, filters through a significant amount of information and filters out a significant amount of information. Oh,
1: absolutely! Yeah,
0: um, I'm open to uh, you know. I don't know, you know. I'm I'm not sold on it, right? I mean, there's still this this, this mm-hmm. skeptic in me, and you know, we've got all these weird synapses that fire and brain farts and all this kind of stuff, but. Mm-hmm but i am open to i mean that was william james's idea that basically consciousness was a filter as opposed to generative so mm-hmm, J- mm-hmm. james thought that you so you know there are all these sort of cosmic pressures and um sort of exceptional uh extraordinary uh pieces of information that we are constantly assaulted by whether it be light and sound and all the rest of it and that consciousness mm-hmm. actually filters Out stuff rather than producing the Mm -hmm. things that that we see it actually just filters out um, uh, what is a much vaster universe
1: so taking taking that i was thinking when you were speaking about this idea of the filter so Mm -hmm. more of an attenuate the brain would be more of an attenuator than a, a storehouse is this kind of where you're going or what you were?
0: Yes, the only the only thing I would add to that is I'm not sure I would say brain. So because ah. because <laughs> there there are well respected um, psychologists and researchers that have proposed now. This is not mainstream scientific consensus, so I'm aware of what mainstream scientific consensus is in this area uh, it, it is it is not um, it is not a, a popular ideal. M- Michael Tononi or something like that I forget his exact name again i I'll put it in the in the the footnotes for the podcast basically has proposed the idea that consciousness should be thought of as a constitutive element in the universe. Oh. like space time there would also be consciousness this idea that there is no such thing as zero consciousness there's very there's sort of low i think he proposes a fee is the greek letter he uses for it and and he's actually come up with testable hypotheses for this like that are that are being borne out in in neuroscientific research so it's it's not fringy. like this guy i th- I forget where he's tenured, but it's like caltech mm-hmm. mit it's it's a major uh, r one university so uh, i I'd like to uh, I'd like you to continue, but that so I would not mm-hmm. necessarily say brain, I would mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. consciousness um and I don't know that they're uh they're not coterminous
1: gotcha so again, when you were talking, I thought immediately of. <clears throat> of Rupert Sheldrake. And mm. I thought of Terrence McKenna and I thought mm. of DMT and I was thinking about the sort of experiments that um why don't you Terrence glo- McKenna. Yeah, why don't we gloss those for our listeners? So Terrence McKenna, and let's see if I can get a really good um description of him. He was a um an eth ethnobiologist, a, he wrote about a variety of subjects, including psychedelic drugs, plant based and <laughs> in- Enthogens, shamanism, metaphysics, and so forth. And as for our beloved um, Rupert Sheldrake, Rupert Sheldrake is um, another sort of guy who, who fucks with, excuse me, fucks with consciousness. Sheldrake, we, can um, we can swear it's fine.
0: <laughs> there are very biolo- few people listening, so it's all right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we can we can sort of pass. Sheldrake was a biologist and is a biologist and author. He's best known for his theory on morphic fields and morphic resonance. Mm, okay, uh, which which and so these guys, along with a few other guys that I've read, either their um, articles. I've only read a couple of books by um, Terence McKenna and Rupert Drake. My um, what I feel like they're doing is. Is there um, forging a path to, to move, not, man, not, really not even the mainstream, but just folks who are interested in different states of consciousness to consider not just what DMT can do, but what just happens in your regular life, the kinds mm-hmm. of things that happen that don't seem to make a lot of sense when we think logically, logically with quotes around it about something. I'm not even sure how I got from UFOs to these guys, but I think it was an article about one of the states of DMT they were recording. There's a DMT, the spirit molecule, documentary where it was the first sort of study in a number of years, like a decade study, what using ayahuasca in a controlled laboratory environment. And in it,
0: people and were, and were, now, and now DMT is the active in, ingredient in ayahuasca, right? I mean, kind of the the. The molecule that does the stuff that it that makes it
1: work. Yes, exactly. And so those um, listening to those people talk about their experience, some turned a light on my head. I was thinking, well, what if things aren't coming to Earth, but that we're just tapping into some other state of consciousness while on DMT or without sometimes, and you know and that leads me to mm. back to UFOs and sightings and and so forth. And so I'm curious about. A number of things. One, I'm curious: why are people? Why is there? Is it mass hysteria, or is there something to? We're seeing more things now, and people are recording more things, whether it be the Phoenix Lights or other mass um, mass sightings of a particular um, object in the sky. Are people just having? Are they co-creating this reality and seeing this stuff? This is this is one of my main things. I'm trying to figure out. Um, if there's an answer to something like that. So I, I think probably where I start to, so
0: I am open, I, I'm not convinced, but I am open to the idea that uh, I, what I glossed earlier kind of, you know, fumbled around that mm-hmm. there's, there's just, there's more there than we know. There's more, I mean, clearly there's more there than we know. And that, that, that what, that which exceeds our knowing Uh, May completely confound what we currently know, meaning that that Mm -hmm. what we don't know may completely turn upside down our current notions of of what proper physics and chemistry and biology are. I'm totally open to that. Mm
1: -hmm. I think
0: where where my break, my emergency break starts to kick in is mm-hmm. you would use the phrase, like, kind of co-create our reality. So yeah. I definitely, I mean, as human beings, we co-create our social universe. That's how we end up with, like, some stupid bullshit ideas around, like, <laughs> black people and white people and shit like that and gay people oh, and absolutely. all this kind yeah. of dumb shit stuff. So, but I think that there's kind of a hard stop, you know, like, on a lens, you know, like, when you follow focus, like, those hard stops. Like, mm-hmm. like you you can't co-create your reality so that, like, you know, a tiger isn't going to eat your ass, or you can't like co-create your reality mm-hmm. in a way that like you can't test
1: it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That, that, that cancer isn't going to ravage you. That, I mean, like I, there mm-hmm. are. I, I think there, there's a concrete, hard-headed, merciless, red of tooth and claw world that mm-hmm. um, that is. Mm. It's pretty indifferent to our
1: ability to co-create our social universe. Hmm, And so that hard stop, though, so when I look at that hard, when I hear the hard stop, I go, so when people see Matt, well, there's a mass sighting in, um, I think, 1997 with the mm. Phoenix Lights.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What did those people see? So, so Groups of people, single people were looking up at the, the
0: sky. Actually, gloss the Phoenix Lights, actually for me, because I, so mm-hmm. the term I'm, fam- I mean, like kind of the event I'm f- like passingly familiar with, but I actually don't know the particulars of it.
1: Sure, sure. So the Phoenix Lights, I love having this in my it's a, It was a mass UFO sighting which occurred in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. And Sonora, Mexico on Thursday, March 13th, around 1997. Okay. And so lights of varying descriptions were reported by thousands of people um, in a space about 300 miles from the Nevada state through uh, Mexico. So it's very, it's one of those things where I feel very. Um,
0: it's dispersed. It's geographically dispersed. It's geographically dispersed. dispersed.
1: Geographically dispersed. A lot of people had the same story, so there. I saw a couple mm-hmm. different documentaries where people talked about their experiences, mm-hmm. and so I. I want to just deviate briefly by saying that there is a book, and podcast. Same of the same name for the book and podcast. Somewhere in the skies by Ryan Sprague. Mm-hmm. I read this book earlier last year, or actually around this time. And what drew me to the book was that this guy was basically just interviewing people Mm -hmm. who seemed fairly normal, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and they saw something and it changed the way that they saw the world. But it was in a whether or not the UFOs, it wasn't a try to disprove what they said or prove what they said. It was just anthropological,
0: just kind of like their flat story, right?
1: And it's a very, um, very, it was very instructive for me. And so going back to the Phoenix, like, you know, you watch people and you go, well, these are different kinds of people around that time the mayor had a press conference because people were getting really excited about it. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, he, so he, what he did was he, um, he said, we caught one of the aliens and, you know, someone comes in huh. an alien suit okay. and only later on when he leaves office, he goes, yeah, I saw it too. <laughs> uh. And so, so are these man-made structures? What did they see? You know, no one, oddly enough, I don't think there was any footage and I'm sure that's what bothers me about certain things. I'm like, where's the footage? And if the footage is grainy or yeah. the photographs <laughs> right. look a little weird, right. you know, I, I, I'm looking at it. I want to see what's going on. If these ships or these things are actually man-made in terms of, you know, earth-based and people are just seeing this stuff. And, but why? Why do they exist like that? But what did they see? At the end mm. of the day, exactly what did they see? Yeah. And of course, a mass sighting, what does that say about consciousness? What could it say about consciousness? You know? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise
0: me, you know, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, that people, I mean, sort of, I, I can't remember, there was a, I know, a, Doing a kind of a parenthetical here, but uh, there mm-hmm. was a movie that kind of plays on what I'm trying to articulate, and uh, and mm-hmm. it's uh, the scene is, and I can't remember the name of the movie, but the scene is um, a bunch of teenagers are in a van and they're all going to get high, but the stuff that they've gotten is not actual, uh, it's not actual uh, marijuana, it's something else, okay. and so and then you know the kids kind of all take this stuff and like oh yeah I'm starting to feel it, and you know it's it's a comedy, so <laughs> they're kind of making fun of this. Or whatever, um, uh-huh. it, it's that like that. That is my mm-hmm. go to when it comes to things like that. Like, okay. you don't want to be the the Joe that didn't see the lights, right? Like, you don't you don't
1: want. There be- were police officers. There was a oh. mayor. Oh no no there so were- no no no. Right. no. I'm go actually ahead. not mm-hmm.
0: saying that. I don't think people saw lights. I'm I be- to me atmospheric phenomena is not would not. I would bet on, you know, atmospheric scientists. Uh, meteorologists mm-hmm. could posit a pretty plausible explanation for it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm saying is that the th- you take the kernel of what was actually there and then mm-hmm. you layer on top of that our proclivity to tell tall tales and to not mm-hmm. want to be left out of the telling of the tall tales, then you end up with uh-huh. things like sort of these mass experiences or, or you know, what okay. was, what was weird or strange becomes extraordinary.
1: And mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of, um, so anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the way you abruptly said it. Well, that's it. <laughs> you know, clipped. that's it. And so, um, so, so I think I asked you a couple of questions earlier, and you did answer a few of them related to this. And um, so I was curious about – I start off a lot of sentences with I was curious about – I'm curious <laughs> about why I do that. Um, we talked about your – so do you, other, do you have an interest in the UFO story, like do you, in, in stories? Do you find yourself gravitating towards them? years, other than the article that you sent me the other day, which is, you know, basically the government. Yeah. Know, so around that. But the I,
0: less would, it... I would say, I just give you, I would say, uh, yes, but b- pretty much, uh, limited to legitimate news sources now. So mm-hmm. like, you know, so some... fake news, <laughs> I don't know what you mean, it's all <laughs> right, fake news. right, right, right. So, uh, you know, people that, you know, when I hear that there are sober professionals that have documented evidence, of, mm-hmm. um, unusual encounters. I mean, my ready at hand explanation for that is like some government has their hands on some pretty spectacular technology that, that, uh, most of us don't know about. I mean, the one thing that I found odd about, we're referencing right now, uh, Stephen's referencing a CNN story I had set
1: up about, uh, or mm-hmm. I don't know if
0: it was CNN, but it was also on CNN. Um, yeah, it wasn't on CNN, but, um, I mean,
1: it was on CNN, but that was a different article. Right.
0: I think I had. Tra- I think I had followed it to that article, but uh, that uh, these uh, this aircraft carrier and these pilots had seen um, this object, cigar-shaped object, perform these like unbelievable acrobatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, movements in the air, you know, like descending from like 10,000 feet at like five times the speed of sound and stopping just above the water. Uh-huh. So all of these like crazy things. The, the, in the article did not at all reference the first thing that came to mind for me is like, some kind of drone. Like, you Mm. can't put a human body inside... I mean, under our current understanding of physics, you could not put a body inside of an object like that and have it maintain consciousness. So you just pass Mm -hmm. out. So, but but you could have a drone that perhaps has some kind of uh, advanced propulsion system that's able to behave in those ways. Um, But that wasn't any... So sometimes I... The reason I... I, uh, and limit myself to more legitimate news sources, um, mm-hmm. even though they miss it too. Is I feel like easier, more um, apparent explanations are often glossed in our excitement to mm-hmm. believe something extraordinary.
1: Mm-hmm. So the article that you're referring to that you sent me is called "Reasons to Believe," mm-hmm. and it's a New York Magazine article. How seriously okay. should you, you, you take those recent reports on of UFOs? Ask the Pentagon or read this primer for the SETI curious. It's a pretty good article. It was mm. fun, very long, but I was very much into it. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so, yeah, I just um, just to take what you said a moment ago in terms of legitimate news sources. I so here's the thing. Here's the thing I like about the idea of fake news, um, that if I trusted legitimate news sources <laughs> in terms of CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, mm-hmm. or what have you, I watch all these things, I read the New York Times, I read the Post and a few other, what we would describe as legitimate news sources, and I see that they leave things out, then I don't call them fake. I just feel like in some cases they decided fair. to play to a particular middle. That's fair. And so... That's why I like blogs. That's why I like the decentralization of news in terms of where you can get it. And sometimes there's some really great blogs out there and websites that cover some of the things. And so um, so that, uh, that's all I want to say about that because I feel—
0: I think that's fair. I think that's entirely fair. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think you have to do a lot more work when you're taking your information in that way. Oh, absolutely. I'm lazy. And there are areas in which I'm willing to put that work in. Um, mm mm-hmm uh, UFOs are probably not one of those things anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a completely fair, uh, assessment of like, uh, mainstream news. And so
1: I think, um, I have no more to say about UFOs at the moment other right. than I'll continue to keep my eye in the sky yeah. as well as read, um, and to theorize about what I, what my next idea about what UFOs could actually be, because um, I'm preoccupied with the idea of consciousness Very yeah. preoccupied with it Given that it's um, If the Earlier when I said the brain as an attenuator mm-hmm. Crunching the information Like I love it Well not love it but there was some There were a few scientists who were looking at epilepsy And they were looking mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. Other other things that said well, well What's happened here with someone who has an epileptic fit Is that there's so much information coming in mm-hmm. And there's nothing like tuning everything up because you can't notice everything
0: yeah i've read i've yeah. read a similar uh, analogy right. for it yeah 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 i yeah I, I i agree i mean i do find that stuff um,
1: Fascinating.
0: um yeah and exciting actually
1: yeah about um, what's possible what yeah. we can do with our brains and so yeah and so yeah
0: all right okay well Stephen, i appreciate the conversation as always and uh, i'll look forward to talking to you soon
1: thanks a lot talk to you soon